the Holy Gospel according to St. Matthew, the 10th chapter. These 12 Jesus sent out instructing them, brother will deliver brother over to death and the father his child and children will rise against parents and have them put to death and you will be hated by all for my name's sake. But the one who endures to the end will be saved. When they persecute you in one town, flee to the next, for truly I say to you, you will not have gone through all the towns of Israel before the Son of Man comes. A disciple is not above his teacher, nor a servant above his master. It is enough for the disciple to be like his teacher and the servant like his master. If they have called the master of the house Beelzebul, how much more will they malign those of his household? So have no fear of them, for nothing is covered that will not be revealed or hidden that will not be known. What I tell you in the dark, say in the light, and what you hear whispered, proclaim on the housetops. And do not fear those who kill the body but cannot kill the soul, Rather, fear him who can destroy both soul and body in hell. Are not two sparrows sold for a penny? And not one of them will fall to the ground apart from your father. But even the hairs of your head are all numbered. Fear not, therefore. You are of more value than many sparrows. So everyone who acknowledges me before men... I also will acknowledge before my Father who is in heaven. But whoever denies me before men, I also will deny before my Father who is in heaven. This is the Gospel of the Lord. In the holy name of Jesus. Amen. King David certainly understood fear. In Psalm 3, he describes the terror that he experiences as he flees his throne and his home because his own flesh and blood, his son, Absalom, is leading a rebellion against him. And this is what he prays. O Lord, how many are my foes? Many are rising against me. Many are saying of my soul, there is no salvation for him in God. David's anxiety is twofold. The number of enemies he faces fills him with dread. But what is worse is that he must also confront a rising sense of dismay that perhaps his enemies are right. They're correct in assuming that God has no interest in rescuing him, and he fears that he is alone. Today, June 25th, is the day that our church commemorates the presentation of the Augsburg Confession. And on such an anniversary, we might be inclined to keep fear out of sight, out of mind, away from us. We might be tempted to think of ourselves as lining up rather boldly with those German rulers and noblemen who on this date, in 1530, presented a document that described what Lutherans believe and teach and confess in front of the Holy Roman Emperor Charles V. But today's gospel doesn't allow us to indulge too long on that historic and, in a sense, heroic scene. 
Our Lord Jesus reminds us that we live in a world that has fallen because of our parents' faults and our own fallings. It's a world in which some, perhaps even those who are close to us, want to extinguish our relationships, our livelihood, and sometimes even our lives, simply because we confess Jesus as Lord. We live in a world that is ruled by the Prince of Darkness, one who wants nothing more than to destroy our bodies and our souls in hell. We live in a world that tempts us, like David, to be both overwhelmed by the sheer number of enemies that we face and overcome with some doubt that our Lord is inclined to hear those cries from us and come and rescue us. When we're honest about our sinful condition, we speak the truth that our doubt and our fear paralyze us, and our only means of escape comes from our Lord's saving work in our lives. We come to see that we do not need to be afraid, because he has come into the darkness of our anxiety, and there he calls us by name into the marvelous light of his mercy and his forgiveness, and as we hear today, he whispers. He whispers into our ears that he loves us and wants nothing more than to bring us home to live with him. Likewise, Jesus assures us that we do not need to fear those who kill the body but cannot kill the soul because he himself went before us into death in order to destroy death. He is the Lord of death who died on the cross as the sacrifice for our sins, just as he is the Lord of life who rose on Easter and now feeds us with his own body. So that in the words of the poet George Herbert, death is no longer an executioner, but rather a gardener that invites us to live in the lovely new Eden that our Lord has prepared for us. Jesus also orders fear to leave our hearts and our minds and our lives in today's texts. Fear not, he commands us. And that heals us of our anxieties and worries by reminding us that he is the God who orders the universe in such a detailed way that it includes counting the number of hairs on our heads and caring about the well-being of sparrows. And in doing so, our Heavenly Father demonstrates the most remarkable intimacy and familiarity with us. He knows us. He loves us. He cherishes us as his own dear children. And because we belong to him and he belongs to us, we have full access to our Heavenly Father. Because he banishes fear from our lives and allows us to live and rest in the mercy of his tender care, our Lord is then enabling us as his beloved to speak faithfully, like those Christians in 1530, to a world that desperately needs to know Jesus and his saving work. So from this perspective, we cannot help but confess and acknowledge Christ as our savior, because in him we live and move and have our being. He is our beginning and our end. And consequently, we come to see that fear has no real home at all within our lives. Despite his understandable fear in the face of rebellion, David's confidence in the Lord's saving and sustaining work enabled him to acknowledge the Lord as what he calls the shield that protected him, his glory, the lifter of his head, 
the one who answers him from a holy hill. And similarly, faithful Christians who stood before a holy Roman emperor were able to confess that salvation comes only through the atoning sacrifice of the Son of God, who died on that hill on Golgotha for us. So we can confess today with those Christians in Article 4 of the Augsburg Confession that, this is a quote, men cannot be justified before God by their own strength, merits, or works, but are freely justified for Christ's sake, through faith, when they believe that they are received into favor and that their sins are forgiven for Christ's sake, who by his death has made satisfaction for our sins. This faith God imputes for righteousness in his sight. The fact that our Lord now sees us as clothed with his righteousness does not mean that we're going to live lives that are free of conflict, free of difficulty. We will certainly continue to experience fear when we face those people who deny our Lord, or when the devil confronts us and he works so hard to take our souls from us. We may never stand in front of the rulers or princes of this world, but our life in this world invites us and in fact demands of us that we confront this fear and confess our Lord Jesus. In doing so, what becomes abundantly clear is that our Lord Jesus has disarmed those fears, and it's no longer we who are speaking to the world. It's rather his spirit who fills our mouths with the words that make known to the world the good works, the saving works that he carried out in our lives. And likewise, he fills our mouths with words that make it possible for us to not only speak, but then to also live out his love and his commands as we give to one another and share with one another and care for one another. In this way, we come to see that his hand, the hand that has blessed us, the hand that feeds us, is the hand that holds us in his mercy today and through eternity. In the holy name of Jesus, amen. amen.